What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hey everybody, welcome to another Baseball America podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer, have a very special podcast for you today. In honor of Mike Mussina's election to the Hall of Fame, we tracked down the scouting director that drafted him for the Orioles in 1990, John Barr, as well as the assistant to the scouting director, Fred Goldman Jr. Spoke with both of them about what that process was like. The Orioles taking Mussina 20th overall in the 1990 draft, made the majors in 91. By 1992, he was an all-star. And now in 2019, he's a Hall of Famer. We're pleased now to be joined by John Barr. John most recently served as the Giant Scouting Director for the last decade. He was the scouting director who oversaw the drafting of Buster Posey, Brandon Crawford, Brandon Belt, Joe Panic, a lot of the key pieces on those Giants teams that won three World Series in five years. John joins us on the phone from his home in New Jersey. John, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, first, I have to ask, I would imagine it was a pretty big thrill for you seeing someone that you, you drafted as a scouting director uh, become elected to the Hall of Fame. Just what was that, that like, seeing that happen for Mike? Kyle, thank you, first of all, for having me on today. Uh, I was, we were very excited around here. My wife and I were together. Uh, we had talked with Ed Sprague during the course of the day, Gary Nichols, some of the people that were involved with the drafting of Mike Mussina. And as just like the day you sign a player, there's a lot of excitement well, when you draft them. And then when you sign them and you see him go out, you almost live and die with them as you're watching them throughout, as uh, they're making it into the major leagues. And then as you're watching them progress throughout the major leagues. But to have a moment like this, to actually know that you're, your name or you were part of a person that ended up playing so well to be elected in the Hall of Fame. It's, it's, it's a thrill. And we were all, all of us uh, with the Orioles that were part of it, we're all excited, very excited. Was it something where, because obviously a lot has changed in terms of you guys have all spread out since uh, being a part of that scouting staff in 1990. Was it getting in touch with a lot of old assistant scouts and, and area scouts and kind of touching base with guys maybe you hadn't spoken with in a while? You know, it was. We, we tried to uh, keep in touch. Uh, you know, you don't always get a chance to see each other. You used to, you know, run into each other on the road. But that was something, that draft, um, the 1990 draft with the Orioles will, will always keep us together in a bonding situation. And, uh, and like I said, Ed Sprague, who, who was the drafting and the signing scout, uh, just uh, someone that I'm so happy this has happened to him. Uh, this happened for him or part of it. It was some good news because I know with uh, he recently, uh, his wife passed away, Michelle, who he was very close to, and then he's fought some uh, just some health issues. This was a definitely something that cheered him up and uh, cheered us all up. So, yes, we keep in touch, and I think that this draft was one of the things that kept us bonded. Absolutely. You mentioned Ed Sprague Sr., who was the signing scout. His son, Ed Sprague Jr., who we all remember as the Blue Jays' third baseman, was a teammate sure. of Mike's on that Stanford team. How much did having that connection with Ed, Ed and his son help you guys get more insight into, into who Mike was, both you know on the mound and off the mound? Well, I think it was I, 
really it was priceless. Uh, you know, Mike, uh, such a great competitor, as we've seen, as we saw throughout his career, which was evident not only when he was in, in college, but also when he was in high school. And we can get to that another time, I mean, later on. But he, uh, but to have Ed Sprague Sr., and uh, like, I, like you said, Ed Sprague Jr. was on that team as a freshman, uh, or not as a freshman. He knew Mike when Mike was a freshman because Ed Sprague came out, Ed Sprague Jr. came out in 88, which would have been Mike's uh, first year there, I think, and uh, first or second year. So he, uh, to be able to get some insight and be around him and having had someone that was around him, meaning Ed Sprague Sr., just watching that Stanford team quite a bit, um, was was definitely a step up for us. I mean, we had seen him pitch really well as a freshman up there in Stanford, and we saw him in his sophomore year and junior year. So the ups and downs that he may have had uh, during his course of his career, we, we saw – we saw the best of the best of him, and that's why we were so excited to be able to draft him that year. So I want to jump into a time capsule. 29 years ago, it's the spring of 1990. You're the scouting director. Uh, the previous year, you had the number one overall pick. You took Ben McDonald. And then this 1990 draft, it's pretty deep. Chipper Jones, Tony Clark, Mike Lieberthal, Dan Wilson, Carl <coughs> Everett, Rondell White, Jeremy Burnitz. I mean, there's, there's a lot of talent in this draft. Mike Mussina is obviously one of those guys. Sure. When you have the 20th overall pick, you obviously never know who's really going to be there, but you certainly have guys you hope are there. How early on in the process was Mike someone that you guys had had prioritized as a, hey, if he's there, we want this guy? I think we prioritized him pretty early uh, as a guy that we – that we thought we would love to have who we didn't think may get to us. Uh, so in turn, you always had to have a backup. I mean, one of the big names in that draft, which you didn't mention was Todd Van Poppel. Mm-hmm. There was a lot going around with him at that point in time. And then there's a lefty was a kid named Osborne who was out of UNLV. Donovan so, Osborne. Yep. Yeah. So there were a lot of players in this draft uh, and names um, Alex Fernandez was in the draft. He was coming out of Miami-Dade. Uh, he had been drafted the year before and then ended up going to Miami-Dade, picked number four overall by the White Sox and Al Goldis, I want to say. Uh, so we identified him early on because of the fact we'd seen him in high school. I know I personally saw him in high school, uh, but I was working for the Mets at the time. And, again, whenever you saw Mike walk on the mound, you saw someone who was very comfortable being on the mound. He was very focused on the mound. He was a great competitor. He would make adjustments during the game, during a hitter. And I think we saw that throughout his career. And from an athletic standpoint, we felt he was one of the better athletes in that draft, which, lo and behold, I mean, seven gold gloves later, yep. uh, I, think, I think that they were, they were correct. So we identified him as one of the names we would hope might reach this, uh, and fortunately he did. As the spring went on, when did it crystallize that, you know, hey, he would be the guy if he's there? Um, you know, there was a, uh, again, I think 
when you're going throughout the season in the spring, you're trying to line them up and you, you keep talking about certain people. And there came a point in time, it was, uh, it was later on in the spring that Gary Nichols and I were talking and we had said, uh, you know, that Mike Messina, this, he might be, he might get to us here. Uh, there might be a chance. And so we wanted to circle back and go in and see him. John Cox had sat on him. He was the West Coast supervisor. John Cox had seen him quite a bit. Uh, John had been a scouting director with Cincinnati. So we really had a veteran staff that uh, had identified him. Gordon Goldsberry, God rest his soul, was also on that staff at the time helping us out. And uh, I remember telling Roland Heeman that, that we've seen it definitely could be someone that was in consideration. Um, a funny story that Kevin Rosenthal had mentioned uh, that he talked about, he had spoken to Ed Farmer, who is now Ed Farmer's one of the voices of the White Sox. So Ed had gone to see Mike Mussina early in the season. He had seen him as a freshman, went and saw him in UCLA. And, and Mike wasn't, wasn't one of, like, apparently one of, was one of his best days or whatever. And so Ed said, oh, I'm out. I'm out on him. Well, we knew that Ed was, had close ties to Roland Heeman. And any time that you're in a draft room, especially when you're a second-year scouting director, you're thinking to yourself, okay, uh, we've got to help. We've got to address this because I don't want to have to fight here to try to get him if he's there. And uh, we had asked Ed to go back a couple of times, and Ed, Ed Sprague had called him and said, come on, go back. He's trying to guilt him into it. And finally, Barbara, his wife, ended up telling Ed, come on, just go do your job. Just go back and see him. And he went and saw him pitch against USC, called everybody up and said, hey, I'm all in if he's there. And we're like, okay, thanks, Ed. <laughs> we appreciate that. I did, I did see that story. How much of it was a, a relief for you knowing you wouldn't have that conflict? You know, it's, again, it's going into the draft room and you're, and you're trying to line these players up. Any little thing can throw a guy off. Uh, it, it's, it's, uh, if someone says the wrong thing in a room, it can just, it can just build up. So for us to be able to know that we could go into that room where we all had differences of opinion maybe on how they should be listed, but we had a group of players that we thought, okay, these guys are first-rounders. If one of these guys are there, we're going to be happy about them being there. And fortunately, Mike was someone that we identified early on and that he was there. So we were were fortunate that he was there. And uh, as the old saying goes, we as an organization, the Orioles, we liked Mike better than anybody else did that year because we're the one that took him. And the Orioles, as you mentioned, had also drafted him uh, at a high school. Obviously, you weren't with the organization at that time, but I'm sure right. there were still some people in that room who were with the organization back then. How much did that previous experience with him factor into his selection in 1990? Uh, I think that there were some people there that had seen him, uh, and they liked him, so the organization liked him still. And... Uh, Again, with you, if you were ever around Mike, whether he was in high school or whether he was in college, uh, he's an impressive young man. And I think that, that uh, any time that you got a chance to be around him, you thought, I want this guy on my team. And uh, so in some ways, it, uh, Larry Lachino, um, I know, was, uh, was there. So I think he was on board with it at the time. Um, but... Uh, you know, you can't look at that and have it hold a lot of weight, but at least we had some positive background on him 
And we also had a lot of reports on him from high school, which we could uh, look back on. So draft day rolls around. You guys are in the room. The names start coming off the board. 19th overall, the Giants pick uh, Eric Christofferson, the catcher from San Diego State. You're on the clock. Was it racing to get the pick in as fast as you could for Mike, or was there actually still some discussion about other potential players you could take at that spot? Well, it was a sigh of relief. Uh, we thought that uh, that somewhere in that area of 12, uh, 12 on to us, uh, was definitely a chance that he could be taken uh, <clears throat> because one of the college crews, too, there was a few pitchers taken there at that point in time. I think the well, Todd Ritchie, who was out of uh, who was out of Texas, he was taken uh, by the Twins at like 12. And yeah. Like we mentioned, Osborne and Van Poppel. And uh, the Rangers taking Dan Smith, the left-hander out of Creighton. Uh, Your recall is up, perfect. Yeah, I... I uh, to, to look back on that, I mean, we were sweating through all that. So when it came, when the, when, uh, the Giants took Christopherson, who was, I want to say, out of San Diego State, mm-hmm. catcher there, we, uh, we celebrated. We, 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 we were happy. Uh, and then uh, we, I just, you know, as you do any time you're making the first pick, uh, you, 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 you sit there, you know, you're celebrating, you're all happy, and he's the next guy on the board. He's the highest guy on the board at the time. You look around and you say, you know, we're taking Mucina. Anybody have any opposition right now? And, and you know, you're smiling because you know deep down you're like, hey, you better not bring up opposition because we've been we've been discussing this for the last <laughs> the last six months. And uh, but no, it was really a joyful time to know that we got him. And we knew at the time when we did draft him, I think we knew that we had something that was a guy who was going to be really good for us. I think we looked at him as a guy that had a chance to be an all-star someday, um, to sit there and say to, that the room thought that he was going to be a Hall of Famer. I don't think you ever think of that, but you did know that you were getting someone who, um, who was just a quality guy, a competitor, and a really good pitcher. So I have to ask a fun alternative history here. If Mussino, you mentioned he was on the top of your board at that time for that pick. If he hadn't been there, who was going to be your pick? Geez, you know what? You should never deal in hypotheticals. I don't know. <laughs> I, uh, I don't want to, uh, you know, I, I'm trying to think back there. I mean, I know that guys that were, you know, one of the guys would have been there ahead of us if he had been picked ahead of us. So I, I have to sit there and say, okay, so someone ahead of us would have been possibly there. Uh, you know, Dan Smith was someone that we really had interest in, that we liked. Um, Jeremy Burnitz was taken three picks Burnett, prior. Right, right, he was. And, uh, you know, Rondell White uh, was someone that was we had interest in because we had done our work on him. And uh, I don't know if that would have been our reach at that point in time, but uh, it could have been Osborne, too. It could have been Donovan Osborne, who was another college pitcher at the time. So, Absolutely. Well, clearly you guys got uh, got got the right guy. I do have to ask, he had a reputation, uh, obviously, throughout his time in the big leagues as being uh, a little bit curmudgeonly. Was he like that at Stanford when you guys were doing uh, kind of make- makeup check-ins? Uh, no, I don't think, uh, you know, one of the things that was also impressive about Mike was that he graduated, and, I, and I, 
I'm pretty sure on this. He graduated three and a half years. Yep, he did. And uh, which shows to his, um, you know, his focus and his dedication. I, I just don't think he wasn't, he was someone that wasn't, uh, uh, I mean, I think he had a lighter side to him, but also he was very focused. I mean, he was very serious about his business and, uh, and not one to just clown. He wasn't going to be someone clowning around. He was someone that was there to do what he needed to do. And, I mean, he could have his fun and all, but when you were around him, he was guarded uh, to some extent, uh, quiet, but very, you know, he looked at you and he talked to you. You'd think that he was, you know, he was reading, he was reading you at the same time that you were trying to get a read on him. And uh, again, so I, I, we didn't have really that negative background on him that I'm, I'm aware of now or else maybe I blocked it out by now. I mean, clearly it wasn't anything that was, a, that was a detriment to his career. So you draft him. You mentioned, you know, you were celebrating. You're excited. You got the guy you wanted. You watch him race through the minors. And one year later, he makes his debut, uh, comes up on August 4th against the White Sox, throws seven and two-thirds inning, four hits allowed, one run. What's, what's more exciting? You know, you get your guy that you've wanted in the draft, or you see him reach the majors and have a debut like that? Well, I think it's getting the guy first. Uh, that, that to me, is, is the most exciting thing, is, is to be able to get a guy. Unfortunately for me, uh, I ended up leaving and going to the Padres. And uh, so that 91 season, I was in San Diego and wasn't there to, uh, to be there for his, his major league debut. I did go up and see his minor league debut, and I – I, I wanted to say it was in like Williamsport or something. That's what I want to say it was. But I know we started him at like Hagerstown, which is a, a double A team. And uh, it was, again, why, checking in on it from afar. You know, you call each other up and uh, I, I try to reach out and try to congratulate the scouts that were involved whenever someone makes their major league debut. And, I know in Baltimore we had started sending them, and uh, which actually I've continued even when I was the scouting director with the Giants before Mike, you know, up to this past year, and uh, sending a guy, the, the signing scout, an area scout, a uh, a picture of him and uh, the player, and then a breakdown, a little bit of a plaque of where this guy was, and then making his debut because it is a special. It's really special for. The scouts that were involved, especially the area scout like Ed Sprague, senior, uh, to know that you signed yourself a big leaguer because that's what you do as a scout. You're going out every single day and you're hoping and you're dreaming that that's what you're going to find. And you're going to find not only a major league player, but find someone that's a difference maker. And surely Ed Sprague can have that feeling about Mike Bucina. Not only did he sign a big leaguer, he signed a difference maker and a Hall of Famer. Absolutely. That, that's what you all set out to do. I do want to ask you, because scouting director, the role has evolved over the years. Back in 1990, did you go out and, and fly out to Palo Alto and see Musina yourself? Or at that point, were you mostly relying on the reports you were getting from Ed Sprague and your various cross-checkers? Well, you rely on the, on, on the reports, but I was one of the types of scouting directors that went out and saw players. So I would see a couple hundred you know, players a year. I was out on the road, always have been. 
So a part of me, a part of the way I ran the scouting director's position was not only doing administrative stuff and being involved, uh, but also going out and seeing players from a national cross-checking position, from a national position and going out and seeing our guys and also being around our scouts and trying to be involved with, uh, with motivating them. Fred Oldman Jr., who was my assistant in the office, and also he would go out and see players. Uh, a lot of the stuff he ran was on the day-to-day stuff, of uh, the expenses and things of that nature uh, that might be transpiring through the office but I was one and always have been one that has gone out and saw the players and evaluated them. What were your impressions of Mike uh, the days you saw him out there as a collegian? Well uh, first off I have to go back to the first time I saw him was up in Montoursville Mm -hmm. and uh, when he was in high school and I had the day before Joe McElvain was our scouting director with the Mets I was working for the Mets and uh, the first, uh, the day before, I had, I saw a left-handed pitcher who was tall, uh, like six three, six four, go out and throw a shutout, hit a home run, and win the game one nothing. And his name was Pete Shurek. Yep. And uh, then the next day, I'm watching Mike Mussina and Jerry Jordan, who was a scout, longtime scout. He works in Pittsburgh now. Um, who him and I met for the first time that day. We were watching Mr. Mike pitch. And just seeing how competitive Mike was on the mound was impressive. I remember he walked the guy, and then he proceeded to throw over until he picked him off, and you could tell he was not happy that the guy even got off base. But it was a uh, – you look at a player, and, and whether he's a pitcher or a hitter, and you'd say to yourself, does he look more comfortable here than anywhere else in the world? So when I look at a pitcher, if I see someone walk out on the mound and there's no play that they look so comfortable that that's where they feel like they belong. And it shows. And then, and definitely with Mike, it showed that. So even in high school, and then I got a chance to speak to him that day and talk to him. And again, I was with the Mets at the time. Uh, and he was very clear that he felt very strongly about wanting to go to Stanford. I think he really wanted to play on the USA team or maybe on an Olympic team before he started his professional career, and he wanted to get his education. So uh, going back to the Mets at that point in time, I said, uh, you know, this is a really a talented guy, uh, but I don't think he's going to sign. And uh, we ended up taking Pete Shurek that year. And uh, But I continued following Musina. Um Got a chance to see him pitch uh, again his freshman year and then his sophomore year, uh, you know, just running into him. But overall, always was impressed with the way he handled himself and thought he could be a quality big league starter, um, a number one, number two type starter. So we were, we were, for him to get to 20 that year, we were very happy. Absolutely. Clearly a very happy ending for, for yourself, for Ed Sprague, for, Everyone who, who had a part in scouting Mike, and uh, I would imagine, are you going to try and make it up to his induction over the summer? You know, I talked to Ed Sprague, senior. Yes, we were talking about I talked to my wife. Uh, we would love to, yeah. I have not been up there for an induction, and uh, this would be a great one to go up for. And uh, so I'm going to, I contacted my you know, people here with the Giants and told them that I was going to be trying to get up there for that. So, yes, I am going to try to get up there.
Absolutely. I'm sure it'll be a wonderful summer day indeed. John, thank you so, so much for joining us, and uh, congratulations on signing a Hall of Famer. Kyle, thank you very much. Uh, you brought back some really fond memories, as it has been. I've been thinking about them here ever since the election took place. Holding our breath here, all of us were hoping that he would get the amount of votes to be able to get in there and uh, to be able to see it come to fruition uh, again. I'm happy for Ed. Uh, I'm happy for all the people that were involved and just happy that we were our name to be part of this whole process. Absolutely. So thanks. Yeah, no, our pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. Great insight there from John just about what it was like to be in the draft room when the Orioles picked Mike Mussina as well as the whole process leading up to it. As John mentioned, he was one of many, many uh, figures who had a role in the ultimate drafting of Mike Mussina for the Orioles in 1990. Another was Fred Ullman Jr. Fred was the assistant to the scouting director during this time and he had an interesting arrangement where he would be in the office uh, just helping everything run smoothly for the scouting operations Monday through Thursday and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday he'd go out and scout. Uh, Fred is now the assistant general manager for the San Diego Padres. He scouted a lot of players since then but Mike obviously always holds a special place in his heart. Fred was kind enough to join us over the phone as well. Fred, good to have you. Thanks Kyle. Uh, it's nice, nice to be here, nice talking to you. Um, uh, as far as me having a hand in, in, uh, in drafting Mike, I was sort of, I was probably one of like 10 people and I was probably the eighth out of the 10 on the totem pole that had a hand in it. There were a lot of people that were uh, a little more influential, but, um, you know, it, it was, uh, the, the day that he then out the, uh, the selections to the hall of fame, um, was, uh, it was, it was a really cool day. Um, probably second only to last year when Trevor Hoffman, at least for me, um, when Trevor Hoffman was selected. So, um, and even more so, um, you know, Ed Sprague, who was the area scout that, um, that was responsible for drafting uh, Mike. Um, it, was, it was a great day for him, I'm sure, too, as well. Absolutely. So I, I want to go back a little bit. Uh, in the previous years, your father, Fred Ullman Sr., was the scouting director, and he was the scouting director of the Orioles when they drafted Musina out of high school. How much did having that connection between your father having, you know, okayed that pick out of high school um, affect or, or have an influence on your views of Mike uh, now that he was a, a star pitcher for Stanford? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's always good to have as much background and as, as, as uh, you know, a strong relationship with a player. So, um, you know, anytime you have a history with a player going back to high school, it makes it that, even if he doesn't sign out of high school, it makes it that much Easier, easier, and you're you're you know a little more comfortable drafting them out of college. Um, with Mike, obviously, he's a, a very intelligent uh, person, very good uh, athlete, and uh, you know going to Stanford uh, certainly certainly uh, helped just in terms of the comfort level um, that we had drafting them out of college. But um, uh, like I said, anytime you can have a long history with a player, um, it makes it that much better. Was there any insights your dad was able to give you as you were going through this process about Mike? No, I think, you know, I think uh, at that time in, in 90, uh, senior, my dad was, uh, was a special assistant. I think he was still seeing some amateur players for John. Uh, I don't know that he saw Mike uh, at Stanford, but um, like I said, just, just you know, the, the, the organization as a whole sort of having the history with Mike um, was, was definitely helpful. Uh, but again, I, you know, I go back to, to Ed Sprague, sort of the guy that, um, you know, built the, the, the true relationship with, with Mike at Stanford. 
Yeah, you mentioned you know Ed Sprague Sr. obviously uh, was was uh, a former big leaguer and was your area scout up there. And his son Ed Sprague Jr. was a teammate of Mike's uh, in the late '80s there at Stanford. How much did that connection, you know, help you guys throughout this process? That was huge. You know, Ed's Ed's relationship with um, with not only Mike but with the Stanford program because of Eddie Jr. Uh, playing there. Um, played a big role in a lot of drafts for us, not just Mike. I mean, we, you know, we had uh, a number of players from, uh, from Stanford in our system. Pete Stanisek, a second baseman who played briefly in the big leagues. Jeff Ballard, a left-handed pitcher, um, you know, that, that pitched for the Orioles. Um, and then Mike in 1990 as the 20th pick. And then in 92, uh, we selected Jeffrey Hammonds out of Stanford uh, with the fourth pick. And all those guys were under Ed's watch and uh, his recommendations. So um, anytime Ed, you know, recommended a player just in general, um, you, you had to, you know, you were definitely on him. But anytime he had a relationship or, or was on a player from Stanford, you certainly, you know, you certainly uh, listened that much more. So I want to hop in a, a time capsule back about uh, 29 years. You're the assistant to the scouting director. You're sitting at Sunken Diamond watching Mike Mussina pitch. What did you see? Yeah, it was. Um, I think I saw him at the end of March that year, and and again, I would go out and see players. Uh, you know, John was the scouting director. Gary Nichols was our national cross checker. Uh, Ed Farmer, who was our advanced scout, would uh, would go in and see pitchers on the, especially pitchers on the West Coast, and then Gordon Goldsberry, who was a special assistant, longtime Cubs scouting director. So all of those guys had probably been in there before I got in there to see him on on you know at the end of March, but you just saw a very poised confident, uh, aggressive, uh, very good mechanics. I always think about Mike and what, what I call that gather with that leg, that leg lift where he sort of gathers, kind of hides the ball, um, and, and, uh, you know, and, and just has really smooth arm action, smooth mechanics. Um, the, the, the strange thing is, you know, as, as good as his mechanics were, he, he had some arm problems uh, going into his junior year, or at least there was some discussion of, of some arm issues. Um, and we never saw any evidence of that, and it was never a concern. But again, Ed, you know, Ed was was close to the program, so could uh, uh, you know get get that type of information. Um, but I, you know, I saw a very poised pitcher. Um, you know, I, I went back and looked at the report, uh, and it's funny because back then, uh, you know, we didn't even have laptops yet. You know, laptops were just starting to come into into play, probably a year or two later. So everything was handwritten. Um, I was looking at my handwritten report, and it was, you know, it was a 55-60 fastball, probably a 60 curveball. Um, probably the, the one curveball that I saw that was the, better than Mike's was was Greg Olson when we drafted him out of Auburn in 1988. Greg had sort of, you know, the the, the dominant 12 to 8 curveball, but Mike had a, had a very good curveball and a, and a plus change, um, and and I would probably I'd probably say 65-70 command. So. You know, and again, those are future grades. But um, you know, once we drafted him, he he moved quickly and was in the big leagues within a year and a half, two years. And um, you know, just just a guy that you you had a very good feel for. And like I said, uh, with with John Barr, Gary Nichols, Ed Farmer, Gordon Goldsberry, and and Ed all all on the same page, it was um, it was kind of a no brainer. It sounds sounds funny, but it was kind of a no brainer at number twenty. I was going to say, that scouting report, that's three-plus pitches with plus command. That doesn't come around very often in collegians. Yeah, no, no doubt. Uh, but like I said, he was, a, he was a very, very poised, very smart. Um, you know, he had, he had plus stuff. Um, his, his pitches were plus, but 
Um, just the way that he sort of commanded the ball and the way that he set up hitters even back then um, was impressive. Um, and he knew that, you know, even if his, even if the quality of his pitches, um, you know, uh, did, you know, when started to go backwards over the course of his career, he was still going to be able to pitch. He was a, he was a true pitcher with plus stuff. So you mentioned that, you know, plus stuff, plus command, you love the poise. Was there any way in your guys' minds he was going to drop to 20th? And the fact he did, how surprising was it for you? Because that's the report of a, of a top five pick. Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, we didn't, you know, we, we didn't anticipate him being there at, at 20. Uh, but again, if you go back and look at that draft, it was a, it was a, I mean, there were, there were some very good players in that draft that were selected, a lot of big leaguers. I think that that was the Chipper Jones, Todd, what I refer to as Chipper Jones, Todd Van Poppel draft. Yep. Um, but we, we didn't anticipate, uh, you know, Mike being there at 20. And like I said, the fact that he was and the fact that Ed had the relationship and, and uh, was pounding the table, um, you know, made it, made it pretty easy for John to select him. Absolutely. In terms of when you have a guy like that where you're sitting there, you've got the report of three-plus pitches plus command. I mean, that's a front-of-the-rotation all-star type pitcher. You know, we, we always talk about you never want to comp prospects to Hall of Famers, ever. At the same time, is there any inkling in your mind, hey, this is going to be a front-of-the-rotation pitcher for 10 years, and a lot of times those guys do have a chance to be Hall of Famers? Yeah, I mean, I think at that point nobody was, was thinking Hall of Fame, but I do think that most of our most of the scouts and evaluators that saw him uh, with us felt like he was going to be, you know, a top of the rotation, uh, either a one or a two on a, on a very good staff. So, uh, but I don't, you know, I, I haven't gone back and read all the scouting reports, but, but I doubt that anybody jumped on the Hall of, Fame, Hall of Fame bandwagon at that point. But I think everybody knew that this guy was going to be special. Absolutely. And you were still with the Orioles as he rose the ladder. It wasn't like, you know, you had uh, a role in, in his drafting and then you moved on. You stayed with the Orioles for a couple more years, uh, rose to become assistant scouting director. What was that like watching him progress and, and become the pitcher he was and, and affecting your big league team? You were right there watching it with a front row seat. Yeah, he, you know, he moved uh, very quickly. Um, you know, he was, I think he got to the big leagues in, in, uh, in 91. I was there through uh, 94. And it was, you know, it was, you kind of knew that, um, that he was going to move quickly as long as he stayed healthy, just because, like I said, he had three plus pitches with plus plus command. Um, and that was going to allow him to move through the system uh, pretty quickly. And at that time, uh, not to go into the whole draft philosophy, but we, in 1980, I believe it was 88, we sort of uh, adopted a philosophy where we were going to lean towards college players um, over high school players. So in 88, we took Greg Olson. In 89, we had the 1-1. One, one. We took Ben McDonald. 90, we took uh, Mike and, and so on. Um, and then uh, I think 91, we took Mark Smith and out of USC. And then 92, it was... Uh, is Jeff Hammond. So we were drafting players that would move through the system uh, quickly, um, and Mike was, you know, was no different. And he was probably one. He and Greg Olson were probably two of the quicker movers that uh, that came through our system at the time that I was there. But it was, you know, it was it was cool to watch him uh, get to the big leagues and have success there, and uh, you know, uh, continue with Baltimore. I think through 2000 before he went to the Yankees. Yeah, you mentioned moving quickly. He made his debut in 1991, one year after being drafted. But by 1992, 
he was 18 and five with a 2.54 ERA and an All-Star. His first full season in the big leagues, he's an All-Star and one of the leading pitchers in the American League. Did you guys foresee him reaching that number one, number two ceiling that fast, or did that even surprise you? Uh, that, you know, I, I, I can't speak for, uh, for, for others. I, I honestly don't remember us talking about him being that good that quickly. We knew, like I said, he was going to move and he was going to have success quickly, but not you know, be an all-star in, in, his, in his first full year in the big leagues. Uh, but again, that, that goes to the, the sort of the combination of, of the three quality pitches, the plus command and the intelligence. Um, you know, a lot of times what happens is these pitchers will they'll come up the same with hitters. Um, they'll come up in the first time through the league. They'll have success, and then either the hitters adjust to the pitchers, or the pitchers adjust to the hitters, and, and they they scuffle a little bit. And, I, and and you know, as I recall, that didn't happen uh, with Mike. He sort of he adjusted to the adjustments. Definitely uh, separated himself out very very quickly. In all your years scouting, has there any has there been anyone quite like a Mike Musina that you saw at the college level? No, not not really. Um, honestly, I, I probably had better grades on on uh, some players, uh, some pitchers. But um, you know, like I said, in 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 '89, um, Ben McDonald was sort of the consensus number one, even going you know even in January of that year. So the numbers on Ben were probably a little bit higher. But there was nobody that had sort of the the, uh, the quality of pitch, the intelligence, and the, the background that uh, that Mike had, um, you know, in my years of scouting. Absolutely, definitely. Uh, I would say that scouting report you turned in looks very, very good in retrospect. Fred, thank you so, so much for joining us. We appreciate you, and uh, congrats again on having a hand in uh, in the selection of a Hall of Famer. All right, thanks a lot, Kyle. That was Fred Ullman Jr. giving us the scouting report on Mike Mussina coming out of Stanford. Obviously a tremendous accomplishment for Mike Mussina and uh, really a wonderful moment for a lot of folks who were with the Orioles at the time but are now scattered throughout baseball and a great opportunity for them to celebrate. We uh, hope you've enjoyed this Baseball America podcast. If you enjoyed it, go ahead and let us know on iTunes or any uh, whatever platform you're listening on. Uh, Any feedback you provide, we'd love to have it. Give us a rating. Uh, we do this for you guys, the fans, and uh, any, and any and all feedback is appreciated. For Fred Ullman Jr. and John Barr, I'm Kyle Glazer. Thank you for listening, everybody.